0: This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Dream Symbols is a Canadian company that gets handmade symbols fabricated in Asia to their own specs. Lots of really cool stuff, kind of classic, thin, dark, all kinds of creative stuff. My personal favorite is the Bliss and Contact series, but they've got a lot of cool stuff, cool gongs and little effects sounds and everything. Uh, give them a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and uh, let's check out the show.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode 148 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. Let's get right into it. Mike and I have a ton of stuff to talk about, including is it a 17-stroke roll or is it a 13-stroke roll? After that, we're going to talk about drum set ergonomics in reference to Brandon Green's new article in the July issue. Our featured artist this time is Mr. Blair Sintak. In our gear review section, we'll be checking out some Smyrna cymbals. That's not easy to say. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. But for now, let's listen to Mr. Cole Paramore. Sweet beats of Cole Paramore. <laughs>
0: so you're telling me you've known him for? a We've known Cole for a while. Like,
1: I've known him, yeah, since he was about 17 years old. Um, do you know? Do you know Devin Sumner?
0: Have just, you followed him at all on Instagram? Yeah, just from Instagram.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so Cole <laughs> I and like Devin I know were in this, on Instagram. Now. Right. Well, Cole and <laughs> Cole and Devin were in the same first camp together in year number one. So nine oh, years wow. ago or eight okay. years ago. Yeah. So I've known Cole. For about eight years, really good kid, long time. Uh, Mike's lesson student, but I mean, on his own now. Uh, I, th- I don't know if he's teaching or just working, but I know he's up at Don Bennett's drum studio in Seattle,
0: and so nice. super proud of him, man. So his gear yeah. on that beat was a DW Jazz Series Mahogany. Um, with he had a Keplinger ching ring taped to the floor tom. That's was that all that jingly stuff. Yeah, uh, the snare is an interesting five and a half by fifteen, fifteen, five and a half by fifteen alaskan yellow cedar stave drum he's from alaska right so that's appropriate
1: yeah from june from exactly from Juneau, alaska and his dad made it and his dad is uh probably in my top five uh favorite people in the world nice his dad is just like one of those guys that as soon as like he shakes your hand like a big bear, and he looks into your eyes, and you just kind of know, like, cool. Everything's going to be all right. Even if <laughs> even if we do run into a bear, I feel like everything's going to be all right. Uh, deep thinker guy, and so yeah. Um, but yeah, and he's a craftsman. And he made that snare for Cole.
0: It awesome. sounded awesome. So he's got a set of uh, minor Byzant symbols. Um, what I think is most interesting about this is that w- what sounded like a really nice reverb is actually uh, room mics put, put. What's he say? Put outside of the room. So that's the, yeah. just the sound of the hallway
1: yeah and that's i mean that's i uh, experienced that the first time i was at the tracking room in nashville tennessee and we were doing the five stage practice method videos there with minel and i asked like what is this room that is just made out of rocks and they said oh it's our reverb room like we get we get our reverb from that room so you play in the in the main room and then that room reverberates and then we just dial in the latency there so it's it. pretty cool stuff cool. yeah pretty cool stuff we'll dude how are time. you man i'm sweaty yeah <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Too bad this isn't on Skype. I mean, on, uh, on YouTube. I'm sure people would love to see that.
0: <laughs> no, it's been a, it started out a real kind of mellow week and then it got really crazy. I ended up subbing, you know, yesterday on Lion King and then I've got an interview for a cover story on Saturday that I'm not prepared for. So I've got to listen to a lot of music and come up with a lot of nice. ideas. We've got a whole weekend of gigs. So what I thought was going to be a mellow, I have a bunch of tracks I got to record for people, one of which. Is going to be super challenging, and I can't wait to get started. It's kind of a, it's a male singer, but it sounds like a Sia song. Okay, And oh, he, cool. He had produced it out with like programs and loops and all kinds of lots of like weird delays and glitchy stuff. And he's like, I want I want real drums on it. So what could you do? I'm like, I don't know. Let's see. Send me the track.
1: That's cool, man. So I haven't Very even cool. I haven't
0: even set it up yet, but I think it's going to be the most challenging thing I've ever done because there's a lot of like glitchy hi hats and stuff and like how am i going to do that and maybe maybe i'm going to layer some of the programming with my own drums i have no idea yet but it's going to be super fun nice uh one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen
1: fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen okay so i just started tracking demos for our album so our band is we just realized that to get through our studio time as a band the best we can we need to track everything here as if we were recording it Go through, I mean, overdubs, everything, go through the whole process. That way, when we go into a studio and we're paying for time, we've already experienced it. We know exactly what we want. We're not wasting any time. And so I got my very first 17 stroke roll in a song. What? Isn't that just a long yeah. roll? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Mr. Dawson. But if you want to count them,
0: <laughs> anything above a 13 just considered a long roll.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh I'm playing in 6/8 and I roll from the downbeat of 1 all the way into the backbeat of 4. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, and so so I would like to insert a little audio here <laughs> because this is the only time you will ever hear me play a 17 stroke, I'm not calling it a long roll. Uh, You know what? Screw it. I'm bucking the horse here. Yeah, he's air drumming all (laughs) 17 strokes. Takes a while. That's why I had to count it out. I was like, how long was that? Yeah, took a while. Anyways, uh, I'm stoked on it. So here it is. (laughs) So, like I said, now that you've heard that, it's my first 13-stroke roll in a song. It was weird. I think Skype cut out. It sounded like I said a
0: 17-stroke roll. <laughs> it took way too long for us to figure out.
1: <laughs> By the way, you guys, you only heard a little snippet of music. We literally have been playing rolls on the desk for the last
0: five minutes. <laughs> He's like, ugh. 2, four, uh, six,
1: six, eight, eight,
0: 10, 12, 13. Yes,
1: 13. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know what? Here's a, This is a perfect example, though, of... I don't ever want to decide I'm playing a 17-stroke roll or a 13-stroke roll. It was a sound. I wasn't counting, I don't want to be counting how many strokes it was. It's like, well, I want to roll from here until here. Right. Yeah. Whatever that is, is what it is. And that's the thing I'm I'm experiencing that a lot right now with a lot of the Mike's lesson students. They're saying, hey, I just finished your, I don't know, whatever it is, a uh, intermediate fills course. And I go, okay, awesome. And they're like, but it didn't, it didn't happen on the gig. None of them showed up. And I'm like, uh-huh. yeah don't do that ever like that would be very wrong um don't
0: yeah if you you can identify it as something you learned from a course then it's way too soon to use it i think
1: just like i don't want to go to mexico and the first person i meet i go de donde el baño they're like what i'm like sorry that's the only one i learned and this is my first conversation in spanish so (laughs) they're like are uh, you all
0: right you need to go to the doctor
1: (laughs) (laughs) me llamo miguel de donde el baño I'm Mike. Where's your bathroom? Oh, so, man. so, anyways, it's the same type of thing. Like I worked on my rolls very hard, all the way up to 13. Apparently, when I was younger, <laughs> I'm still double. And then checking when it, it. was, <laughs> <laughs> it is because uh, I'm feeling it. Like so, the right hand diddle is the is the six eight pull. So one, two, three, four, five, right. six.
0: One, two, three, four. So five, your hands six. are playing 16 notes, but you're doubling each stroke. I'm diddling each one, exactly. Yes. Okay. So,
1: yeah. So really, if, if we were playing singles, it'd be da, 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 da. One, two, three, four, five, right. six. One, two, three, four, five, six. I can't even imagine what that's doing to this microphone right now as I'm <laughs> doubling on it. It's a grr. Anyways, so stoked on that. Band's going well. Everything's confirmed for the Asia trip. Just added a four-day uh, camp in Greece, so I'm excited about that. And uh, now I'm getting ready. So I'm in the mode that you were in. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I'm in the mode that you were in when you got the word that you were going to be playing PASIC. I'm now in drum solo mode because mm-hmm. I, I want to do all that stuff. So I'm working on that, working on the new Man on the Moon songs that I'm going to be playing over there. So all that's going good, and I've got a advanced camp starting this Sunday. So, so busy how do stuff. you...
0: How do you determine a clinic outline for something? I mean, that's a crowd that you have no idea who you're going to be playing for. Well, I, I, I go in knowing
1: that English isn't happening. You know, I, I mean, they'll have a translator there for me for sure. But um, I'm going to have to speak in very concise sentences. You have to take out the humor. As much as I want to make people laugh and make people have a fun time, humor just doesn't get translated well. So yeah. I have to take that out. Um, I switch from a 70-30, which is 70% teaching, 30% performing, which is my normal clinic. I switch those ratios to 30% teaching, 70% performing. And then I do my best to learn right and left kick in every language. And I can teach anything with right, left, and kick. Um, but the main thing is I know that this, the crowd will be primarily made up of people that don't play drums. And the whole role of this clinic tour is to bring this instrument to countries that – that the drum set isn't one of their normal instruments. And so my job is to make this thing really accessible. It's not to teach them like, Oh, check this out. If you played the, if you accented every fifth note and 16th notes, you'd get a five, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. It's going to be very like, Hey, I'm just going to play three notes for you, right, left and kick. And I'm going to see what I can do with that. And, you know, I might even find some things where I can bring somebody up from the crowd and teach them something basic just to show like, this, this instrument is accessible to all of us. Anyone can do it. You do not have to be talented to play this instrument. You just have to have the desire to play it. So that'll probably be my big message for this clinic tour over there. But the great thing is once that's done, going to the UK drum show and having those restrictions taken off of me and I can be myself again, oh there my gosh, go. it's going to just be heaven. the <laughs> have that cane where an they, just, yeah, they just pull me <laughs> off the stage. They're like, Hey, we're going to put you over here in this room. You can just teach small masterclasses. You're not, you're not meant for this thing. So, yeah, so I'm excited. It should be fun.
0: Cool. Well, a uh, little bit of bookkeeping. Anyone listening, this is Friday the 22nd when we release the show. There is You have until June 28th to enter for the Ultimate Ears contest. So make sure you check that out if you go to the show notes for the podcast or ModernDrummer.com. It will be a link there. Um, I don't have a, a very easy-to-share link from my end. Um, so yeah, you have to get it from the show notes. But you have until enter, the 28th. Enter, enter. enter. You can enter every day multiple different ways. So make sure you do it. You won't be disappointed. Absolutely. You'll be disappointed if you don't win. You won't be disappointed if you do win. <laughs> You'll be even more
1: disappointed if you don't enter and you think maybe you could have won. So yeah. you should do it because I'm using – I'm using the grand prize in my ears right now, and I'm still obsessed with them. I I use them everywhere I go. All right, let's get into it. What are we talking about? We're talking about ergonomics?
0: Yeah, I think we might have talked about that in early stages of the podcast, but we are running a new series of articles in the magazine starting in the July issue with Brandon Green, who runs a company called Strata Internal Performance Center. It's a... and he also has a drum-centric side of it, so he's really into just biomechanics and how it relates to the drum set. Mm. Good drummer as well. Uh, so the series is introduced in the July issue, So I, and he just kind of does an overview of muscles and how the skeleton, everyone's different. But I thought we would talk about anything we've done to change our setup or mm. that we haven't, that you know what we've set on is any kind of rules. Part of Brandon's thing is also that there are no rules or cause each person's different. Um, Yeah. I've discovered a few things for myself recently that I'm like, wow, that really breaks all the rules. So though we can kind of dig into it a bit further.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the things that I've been preaching as, as an educator for so long when people ask like, well, how high should my snare drum be compared to my throne? How high should my hi hats be above that? And I'm just going like, look, I don't know enough about your physical makeup. I haven't seen you in person. Like one thing you need to do is be comfortable, but comfortable with proper technique. And there's a balance somewhere. You can be very comfortable and have horrible technique and kind of mess yourself up, but it's just the lazy way to play. So there's some balance in there, but you also don't want to set up like your favorite drummer just because he or she's your favorite drummer. And then you realize they're six inches taller than you. They, you know, have a totally different, Length of torso and everything. It, it doesn't work that way. You have to set up your drum set based off of you. And it's very rare that I see anyone's drum set and think I could play that without moving anything and be comfortable. And these are the best mm. professional drummers in the world. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, how do you sit that low? It's usually the throne. I would say that's the one thing that I'm yeah. like, I could never do that. Throne and I can and play anyone's symbol. drum set. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's another one. Um, and, you know, also depends, too, on if somebody's never played with a ride symbol on their left, they come to my place and they're going, like, how do you hit your rack tom? I'm like, dude, it's <laughs> the ride's covering up one inch of the 12-inch tom. You, if you can't hit the center of the head, but visually they've just never seen any of their rack tom being covered up by a symbol slanted down towards it. So
0: right, it really right. depends
1: on what you're used to. So um,
0: I'm looking back on, gosh, six years ago when I was at your place and played your kit. Oh, yeah. And I remember, I don't know if you've, anything has really changed, but I remember thinking this looks completely comfortable and it does not feel comfortable to me. I could see, like, why everything was set up the way you had it and it works for you. But then I was thinking, well, I don't know, I'm probably a couple inches taller than you, which I think minor differences in height is worse than huge differences in height because it's yeah. almost in the right spot, you know? Like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> it's point. It's like almost yeah. there if, if – you know, if there was like a foot difference, then you'd be like, Oh, obviously I have to sit much lower or much higher than you. But Well, let's let's do this. Let's build the kit uh
1: from the bass drum going out. So the good thing about the bass drum is wherever you put it, it's in the right spot because there's nothing framed around it yet. So put the bass drum on the ground, it's facing forward. Yeah. What's the next thing you add to the kit? Is it snare drum or
0: ride cymbal? Well, throne i guess we're kind of assuming well, yeah sure sure so, you're, so let's
1: say you're, you're already sitting you're happy with your bass drum
0: yeah well that you know even that it, for me is sometimes uh, is challenging because if i set the bass drum up straight then i naturally want to turn to the left and then everything okay. gets kind of yep. skewed so i think i probably err to kind of tilting the bass drum a little bit clockwise maybe okay. like 130 something like that not extreme but just enough sure um uh, snare drum is next Okay. But now, snare drum is oh, the is the one that I cannot get it in the right spot for me. Yeah. No matter yeah. what. I mean the where I feel like I can play the most comfortably, no. Where I can actually hit the drum and not hit the rim, it's way too low. I end up like smacking myself in the crotch a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic dude. That's fantastic. That's but very, I think, very <laughs> But I think that's a result of, of playing a lot of other people's kits and just being a little bit taller than the average person. Right. So I'm just like, I'm just used to the snare drum being lower, and I'm really noticing it recently where I'm like, what is, why am I like having to like tweak my knees just to hit the freaking snare drum? But if I raise it up where I think it should be, I'm hitting a bunch of rims Mm -hmm. because I'm just not used to it. Yeah. The snare is the, I agree. I mean, that's, that's
1: where everything starts for me because my snare, and this is maybe where you and I differ, but my snare, my floor tom will be a mirror image of my snare. So wherever my snare is, the distance to the left of the bass drum pedal that my snare is, my floor tom will be that exact distance to the right of the bass drum pedal. It'll be the same height. If I put a stick on the the rim of the snare and the rim of the floor tom, it won't roll off. Um, okay, that's question? Like,
0: question about that? Yeah. Do you, I don't remember how high you set your floor tom, but I have for me floor toms are always just too low. I can't get the legs to extend far enough to get it where I need it to be. And that you so know, I have to compensate with like. You know, the snare drum's always going to be above the floor tom. And um, I mean, there's been a few, I have a few drums that that go way up, but in general, especially the older stuff, it's super low.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm looking at, well, I do have, right now I have a modern, you know, a brand new Gretsch kit on the stage. And so I've got about another inch that I could go up on the floor tom. Switching to the 20 inch bass drum definitely brought my whole drum set down a little bit Mm. uh, because I wasn't trying to get on top of the 22 and, and have everything, you know, I wasn't having everything dwarfed by the 22 by 18, excuse me, 18 by 22. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, so, um, so yeah, so those are, are dead even for me. But the one thing that I will say that can, that I sometimes forget still, and then it will ruin a performance for me is the actual snare basket itself. So if we have three grabbers, it's natural for me to have it, as a triangle facing forward. So there's one grabber going straight forward and then two coming towards my body. Well, that puts one of those little feet right into my thigh every time my leg goes up and down. Yeah, out. right.
0: But that's usually so have how to... the, the tilter works. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: I so that's why I always request... I'm, I say... I am totally chill on all hardware. If you don't get me a DW9000 series snare stand, I will leave the venue. That's the only one. I don't care if you give me a PDP pedal from like 1986, but I have to have like an omnidirectional. Yamaha makes some as well, even a Gibraltar ball mount. It's like I just have to have an omnidirectional or, you know, Uh, a multi directional. Gotcha. So it's not
0: just forward and back. You need, yeah. Uh Exactly. Because I'm
1: going to. I'm going to take those two feet that are normally on straddling, like that are touching my thighs. Now they're going towards the rack, Tom. And then the one foot is actually pointed at my belly button. Let's call it that. (laughs) So, and, uh, (laughs) and that's one of those things that like, if I remember to do that, I have a much better show because I'm not rubbing up against this like giant rubber foot against my thigh, catching on my jeans all night long. So that's one of those things that I have to set up right. Now, as far as my... If we're talking about ergonomics, my throne, and this is not something that I do by all eyeballing or trying to make it happen. It always ends up being this way. The top of my throne is always at the bottom snare rim. That's like the exact relationship. Um, and it's like I'm looking...
0: Yeah, like the that's one right of those now things where that's because of your anatomy that that just happened to work that way.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's not something I tell people to do. Like I... It's like I tell them to be comfortable. I do think though posture is important. If you're hunching over to play your drum set, you're probably sitting too high. And if you know if you're leaning back like that, uh, thing that Will Kennedy used to play, <laughs> yeah, the drum spaceship frame. thing, <laughs> yeah, the was that a Gadsden thing? It was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're you know, I mean, th- <clears throat> in that case, you had a back support. But if you're doing that on a normal throne, that's yeah. not healthy either. So you should be able to sit up straight. The one thing that I always tell my students as far as seat height is. Put a stick on your chest and hold the tip of it with your finger, so it's just on your chest, and then just play a simple foot ostinato. It could literally be quarter notes back and forth or a samba. And if that stick is moving at all, then you are definitely at the wrong seat heights. But if you can play with both feet, chik chik and the middle of your chest doesn't move, then you're at a, you're at a good posture. You know, you're not shaking back and forth or forwards and backwards just to use your feet. Interesting. Um, and you you know if you sit too high or too low. And you let's say if you're in a heel up position, if you lift your left leg, you'll just fall over because right. you're balance. You're using so much strength to balance yourself with your feet. So, of course, your timing is going to be all out of whack when you just play grooves, because every time you lift your foot, you're about to fall over. So that's that to me is where it all starts for me. Um, what about your rack, Tom? Where do you or do you add <laughs> rack, Tom after snare and floor? Hi-hat. Hi-hat. Um, okay. all this So you go kinda, kick, snare, hat.
0: Yeah, because that's that's where I'm going to be 80% of the time. I can yep. I can make do with the rack tom being too far away or, or too angled or too flat or whatever. But if the hi-hat isn't – and it's really has nothing to do with where the cymbals are. Like that I will – I'll just make do. It's where my foot is. Yeah. And I have yeah. to – it has to be pretty far away, which maybe that's why I use big hi-hats most of the time. So I don't feel like I'm reaching out into the outfield sure. to play them. but. If it's too close to me, then everything is out of whack. If like, again, are I'm, you I'm doing... whacking my left thigh with a right. stick because I'm like – I don't the you know, I don't think I have a strangely proportionate lower body, but <laughs> there's something <laughs> weird about it. I just can't really get comfortable most of the time.
1: So in Billy Ward's big-time video, he talks <clears> about <throat> just kind of putting your feet down on the ground like you're just sitting on a chair and then putting your pedals underneath those feet. Is that how it would look if I was to take a picture of you from over the top? Or is your left leg extended? Like, is your hi-hat pedal further past, is it past your bass drum pedal?
0: Or are they dead even with each other? I never actually looked at it. I would say it's probably even, if anything. Okay. I might have my left foot a little bit more extended, so I'm not. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to get rid of elevating my left leg as much as possible. Gotcha. by having it gotcha. in too close and the knee kind of yeah. buckles up. So that's right. a big issue. And the biggest thing for me recently is – not recently, it's been forever – is I am a hunter because I have to sit higher than average, but drums are kind of made – lower than what i need them to right. be so i'm feeling well, like you're not playing
1: to, 24 13 16 you know you're
0: a lot of times you're on yeah. a
1: bop kit even so.
0: yeah yeah small drums. so that's kind of been but what i'm doing to compensate for that is just forgetting about anything looking good rack tom has to come way up like really freaking high if i'm playing an 18 that's then right. the rack tom looks obnoxiously high angled but more it's comfortable than, yeah angled more than probably most people think is cool Right. Um, I don't like flat rack tom. And then ride symbols right. way up, like right. way higher than average, which is probably why sitting on your kit made me feel a little handcuffed because everything was yeah. flat and low.
1: Well, and that was – that was a. I think if you came to my place now, it would be at least a little more comfortable just because of the fact that things aren't so flat. I mean that was – you know, I, I will never deny that I was heavily influenced by seeing Taylor Hawkins with Lawrence Morissette before the Foo Fighters. I mean, his stuff was actually flat, like, yeah,
0: yeah, let's look
1: like that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and you just sat really tall, but it wasn't a, a good posture at all, you know. And so, I think you know, my rack tom is definitely tilted now, um, cymbals are tilted more than they used to be for sure, um, and so you know, uh, but but still, the thing is. There's that difference between, yes, I think a professional drummer should be able to sit down and play on anything in front of them, at least for a song. Let's get us through the song. You asked me to fill in. like uh, When Snarky Puppy was here, Sput wanted me to play a song, like sit in for a song. Um, Unfortunately, time-wise, it didn't work out. Um, I had a camp going on, so I couldn't do it. But I could never even imagine in a million years getting up on stage with Snarky Puppy and just... Being like, give me five guys while I adjust Sput's kit.
0: Like, yeah. And then, as weird as the setup was at the time, I don't know if it's still that yeah. weird. <laughs> no, it is. Well, actually, no. I mean, we
1: have video of uh, of Mark, Sput, and I doing the clinic in Ireland, and I'm on Sput's kit, Sput is on Mark's kit, and Mark's on my kit. And oh, all right. th- th- none of us adjusted anything. That would have been, in- can you imagine? <laughs> like the- especially on Sput's kit, it would have been like, give me an hour because <laughs> I got to adjust 20 different things. So I do think when, on a professional level you should be able to sit down and play whatever by just adjusting the throne when it comes to your personal kit and trying to be as you as possible i i think you just have to like you're saying it doesn't matter what it looks like you know um yeah, you got to make
0: yeah. it comfortable for you <clears throat> yeah my I, I would say my kit probably looks and I know it from friends who've sat down in my kit. They're like, "How the heck can you play this?" I'm like, "What do you mean? It's like where it needs to be." But I can, perfect. I can yeah. see for someone else to be like, "Man, the high hats are way out there, and why are your ride symbols above your eyes now?" And but that's right, the only right, way right. that I can because I, I want the experience of being inside the kit, but I need to yeah. sit high. So it's kind of like what a contradiction. Yeah. So everything just gets no, no. jacked way up. I totally, I totally agree, and I think that that stuff's
1: important. And then I think also which is probably where you really started to find out about your hunching and everything, is filming yourself is important. You got to see like, okay, are you comfortable because you're creating bad habits for yourself? You know, the one thing that you and I can probably both say is we are over 30 years into this hobby and we've been doing it multiple hours every day for over 30 years and neither of us have any major physical issues from playing this instrument. So our personal ergonomics have been changing over the course of time to make sure that we can play this instrument comfortable. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall into some fad besides the flat toms. I'm not going to (laughs) fall into some fad that, you know, that makes me kind of hurt, but it looks cool. Um, And the other thing too, is I also don't want to fall into a fad that gets me out of the work. And the one thing that I'll say about that is I remember when Travis Barker got really popular His hi hats were literally, I mean, he had to use the long pole and they were at the top of that thing. Right. And people would come in and adjust my hi hats in a lesson. And I would say, Well, no, 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 you're trying to get out of playing ghost notes just because you saw Travis. Travis is playing in a band that's so loud that ghost notes aren't part of the game. <laughs> yeah. We're working on David Garibaldi stuff. You don't get to raise your hi-hats 20 yards in the in the sky just so that you don't, your sticks don't hit each other. <laughs> Keep your left hand down. I want your <laughs> sticks to hit each other because that tells you that you're bringing your left hand up too high on your ghost notes. So I try to avoid with myself, obviously, but then with the, my students as well. It's like you don't get to change the kit to allow for bad technique. I yeah. won't allow that to happen. But if it's be, you know, especially like if somebody comes in and says, "Hey, man, I'm six ten. Can I just bring my longboard with me when I when I'm taking my lesson? It's Like, yeah, of course. I, I can't even imagine how tiny my pedals feel to you. Yeah, of course you can. You know, you have size fifteen shoes. So yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, well, yeah. You, like you said, if you're playing, the music determines also part of your setup. If if you have to be able to hit as hard as possible, then I I would do that too. I raise the hi hat more when I'm when I need to just oh, smash. Yeah. But I'm yeah, not doing I mean, anything got, on top of the cymbals at that point. It's just right. not happening. It's all shanks yeah. and, and open stuff. I
1: got rid of my rack tom for the entire time I toured with my band just because I needed to bash my ride cymbal so much that it was like, you know what? If I'm going to do any toms, our band is so kind of big sounding. I'll just go with a 16 and 18 floor tom setup and be thunderous on the toms. Yeah. But I need, I, need, I need access to my ride cymbal without hitting my knuckles as I come down. On the rims of the floor tom, so I just put the ride cymbal right above the bass drum, like right in the smack dab in the middle, and I could bash it all night. So, yeah, you're right. Music determines everything. All right, so we are going to
0: see more of these articles in the future, right? Oh yeah, and so part one is just an overview, just kind of explaining the fact that we're all different. But there's five more parts, and he goes very specific on throne height. That's why I didn't want to go too deep into it here. So next month he's talking about throne height and using your hip your hip flexor range of motion to kind of determine that and pedal width and snare height. He's going through each part of the kit. So it's it's a pretty detailed uh series or some video to accompany uh parts two through six. But yeah, I'm gonna be ever changing and as I read these I'm gonna be reevaluating. That's probably what made me think of it. It's like I've never thought about my kit set up in a long time. Mainly because I'm not playing my own kit ninety percent of the time. Yeah. But now that well, I you am know, more I'm like, man, this I just need to fix this. Like why I just
1: started experiencing it at the, the the owner of my CrossFit place, we were we were working on a specific move. I couldn't physically; I could strength wise do the move, but I don't have the range of motion to do it. And he said, "Hey, go sit on that bench real quick and just kind of do some air drumming. I want to see how you play drums." And I showed him. He was like, "Yeah, man, it's going to take us a while to undo that." And I'm thinking, my posture's killing. And he was <laughs> like, "Dude, your shoulders are so far forward. If you've been doing that for 30 years, there's no way you're going to get a barbell over your head while doing a squat. Like to do." full on like overhead snatch squats He's like you're we're gonna have to really loosen you up to be able to yeah, do that and i was thinking wow <laughs> and he's like yeah you've spent 30 years f- short shoulders forward and reaching for your cymbals and reaching for your drums and we need to now bring all this back and i'm thinking oh my gosh like it never even occurred to me. So, but you know yeah, when you see a, a drummer play that way, it looks weird to me with the shoulders oh, back tol- and like totally, all, and chest- all just
0: <laughs> it just looks yeah. weird. Of <laughs> it course, work. I'm not
1: going to do it, but I get why it is the way it is. No, I mean there's, I, I think we all have in our head like what. Well, I, this is a great example too of of how we are all different. We all have in our head what we think a drummer looks like, and we try to portray that. And I can tell when some it, it's like oh. Okay, now it makes sense. You're you're a child of, you know, the 80s. Of course you think that's how it's done cuz that's all you saw on MTV was Yeah. You can't hit a snare unless your hand is above your head pointing straight at the sky. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that that was that's locked in. And then uh I remember that Bill Cosby thing where he's talking about playing drums and he said he sat like Max Roach cuz it made him feel cool. Yeah, yeah. You right? know, and it's like you just kind of sit to the <laughs> side and stuff and I think we've all been there where it's like, okay, I'm going to do the Vinnie Caluda thing. I'm going to sit like Vinnie and, you know, or, or weckle. Like I remember thinking I'm going to always put my knee up on the bass drum and hold it with my arm <laughs> in between songs. Cause that's how I see Wex. Like that's just, that's how he takes his pictures. He's got his like, his foot is on his bass drum and he's just kind of like, yeah,
0: man, oh man, I'm that I, you know, good. I, I, I'm- <laughs> A slight detour. Uh, I got the Dennis Chambers video first, and a friend of mine got the first Dave Weckl video. Like, okay. kind of sight unseen. I ordered that one. He got that one. We really had no idea what we were doing, and that right. that shaped our approach to the instrument in such drastic ways. Just on, you know, not even realizing it. To this right. day, he still looks like Weckl when he plays. I'm like, really? Everything about it. I'm like, really, man? Seriously, 30 years later? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just informed it, like imprinted so much from the
1: early stage. Yep. Yeah, I mean th- those were you know they were gods to us. So, yep. all right, let's keep moving. So we're talking about Blair Sinta, and yep, I was I was really having fun today going through a bunch of his videos because he's a different style of YouTube educator. Uh, well, I, I'll just say educator. It just I just happen to be watching him on YouTube, but he's clearly not chasing the let me bang out as much information in as little time as possible vibe. Yeah. He, it's very relaxed. And he's just kind of like, I'm going to walk you through this. If it takes us 12 minutes, it takes us 12 minutes. But it's also not about rights and lefts and kicks, you know? So yeah. um, now, do you actually know
0: Blair? No, we trade some emails, but I never actually spent okay. any time sitting down with him. I mean, I know him as a player really well. I remember the sure. first time seeing him with the Lance Moore said. I think he entered her band after Gary Novak or something. Yes, yeah. when she brought yep. in a crop of, of new players and at that time, he was playing full energy. I guess he was trying to bring a little bit of that that Taylor Hawkins vibe. Yeah, I mean, even Gary tried to bring some heat too. Yeah, you know? but um, you know, Blair just had a little bit more of a more of a, I don't know how to describe it. Like he was just really expressive with that band. Sure. Um, but then you know, just following him through his his session career, it's been pretty impressive. Uh, Melissa Etheridge and a bunch of stuff. But yeah, all these videos that are on his YouTube channel, I believe. I believe what happens is he has, he's getting hired to like produce something that sounds like the police or sounds, you know, I need a drum track that sounds like whatever. So he deep dives into, okay, well then I'm going to actually try to recreate the exact sound. And so his videos are are like his process. Um, I did actually, I wanted to drop in some of the audio from one of his latest videos, which is how to get the police sound from ghost in the machine So, what you're going to hear is actually Blair playing, it's not Stuart Copeland. So, let's check out the little bit of that first. Well, he's not lying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I mean,
0: damn. Yeah. So that's just, you know, the end result. But throughout the whole video, he kind of explains every piece of gear, why he uses the snare drum, how, you know, why he's using just the top mic and not the bottom mic, a little bit of whatever dampening. He kind of goes full nerd on it, which is exactly my vibe. Yeah. I mean, that's
1: what I'm saying is I think that. Now the world of YouTube, there's so many drum educators out there compared to when it started 10 years ago or uh, actually 12 years ago now. But I like Blair's vibe because it's thorough, it's relaxed, and it doesn't feel like it has this – fade out point where it goes and if you want more of that there's 26 DVDs (laughs) that you can get if you just you know I'm like oh god I'm gonna throw up yeah it it, just has this like hey man I can't not tell you guys about this because I'm so geeked out about it so let me throw up my camera and tell you about it which is
0: that's the way teaching should be it it reminds me of Aaron Sterling stuff which makes sense because these are two guys who are actually making real records and I mean they're making their living playing drums and making records and then this is like I, I'm i going to be doing this anyway. So why not turn on a couple of cameras and share it with right. you? Uh, Absolutely. Which I mean, not one way is better or the other, but I feel just a certain realness to what he and Aaron are doing that appeals to me.
1: I mean, I, you know, there's other things I, I, I think you also have to be ready for this style of education because th- you don't get to just take, you know, this four six or eight note pattern straight to the kit. This is like, Oh Wow. If I could already play all that stuff, but I don't know how to get that sound, which yeah, is the next yeah. layer. So I think you have to be ready for this. And you have to also you have to have the attention span that can handle this type of education where it's like, are you ready to, to spend 12 minutes learning about this and not skip around? And like, when does he do the cool thing? It's like, no, no, no. The whole thing
0: was the cool thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I get just excited to see like how he uses the reverb as to how he plays the the yep. Tom part <laughs> for me. Absolutely. And, and these
1: are the kind of videos you could watch 20 times in a row each and get something new each time. And I I think that's really cool. But what's really cool is this is like the smallest, smallest portion of his career. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, but like you said, he's just kind of like, well, I have to track this today anyways. And I think that's another difference that you can find with Aaron, uh, with Blair and with a few other guys out there that are doing it where it would be absurd to set all this up just to make a video about how to get the sound for the police. Yeah. But if it's already set up because you're tracking a track that wants that vibe, it's like, eh, I might as well turn on a camera. Yeah. Right. But if you went through all of this, it's like, dude, to it's just make important. a
0: video and tear it down and never do it again. Right. Exa- exactly.
1: <laughs> and I'd be like, well, I guess I got to retune my rack Tom. Like no, but that, and that's, that's what I think is really cool about this. Um, and, and this style of education is like, well, it's set up because I actually have a job to do, which is cool.
0: So he also did a a, a course for ProMixAcademy.com, which um, I haven't seen it actually, but I assume it's probably more of a more more uh, more of a curriculum base. So he's kind of I think he's probably doing a little bit more step by step rather than you know here's what I wanted to do on symbols today. It's more more structured. Right. Um, so you might want to check that one out. I'm going to be checking it out later today. So ProMixAcademy.com. That's what we interviewed him about for the story it's in the july issue um it was cool the first thing
1: that popped up when i went to promix academy was a course by uh mark needham which he he was like uncle mark for a long time he uh he recorded all of my my first band simon says he recorded all of our demos for us like um and then he did our first two major label albums and uh it's just funny where i'm like Wow. Huh, I wonder what Mark's been up to. And I'm like, Pink, Imagine Dragons, The Killers, what the hell? Like, Yeah, where do you fall on that resume? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, point? where's Simon Says? I can't find it. Huh. Maybe he deleted it while he was accepting his fifth Grammy. Great. Um, so, uh, it's a sad yeah. day
0: when someone upstate their bio, updates their bio and you get cut off. <laughs> Ooh.
1: I, I'm, not, I'm not about to type in Mark's name to... To, to wikipedia i don't want to find out that we didn't make the cut and be like what hey it, two of your albums at least you were on his bio at some point <laughs> that's right yeah exactly and then he was like you know what three-time grammy award winner i'm kicking out simon says <laughs> that's all right one day he's gonna be like man that man on the moon band they're really taking off all right so everyone definitely check out uh, mr blair sintot he's an amazing player but not I, I hope I can say this in the right way. He's not a threatening player. When you watch him teach, you feel like he's bringing you in and he's not trying to dominate you with the craziest thing you've ever heard. It's like, dude, you can do this. I did it. Here we
0: go. Yeah. And, and it, I, yeah, the I, I production, love that. The production's pretty low fi. It's probably GoPros. It's nothing super high def or anything, yep. but the quality is really there. So I think he just changed his channel to sticks and wires. But I think if you search synth sounds on YouTube, Blair Syntha, Syntha Sounds, you'll find him. There you go. Awesome. All right. Well, we need to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor today. Indeed. So I just checked out Dream's website again. So they've been consistent. They've got another lesson up. So, Weekend Woodshed number 12 with Patch Mahoney is on dreamsymbols.com backslash lessons. This is another um, linear kind of lick, so we're just going to drop in the audio. You can check out the sound uh, from Patch Mahoney. So here is his, his lick on the website. The you know there's notation and all that there. So let's check out his audio. So go to dreamsymbols.com backslash lessons. Check out, you know, there's 12 of them there. So they got 12 little mini lessons. It looks like they're putting one up every week. So good for them. They're staying the cool. true to their word. And thanks for awesome. sponsoring the show. They've been here uh, from almost the beginning. Much appreciated. Yeah. All right. Now let's get into some candy.
1: I got to say I was really taken uh, off guard by these symbols. You say the name. <laughs> I'm going to guess and say it's Smyrna. (laughs) Smyrna symbols. Okay, so when I see that we're reviewing a set of, a Turkish set of symbols, I have a sound in my head. Yeah. This was not that sound. No. This was like, oh, okay. Um, These would be pop, rock. Um, These are like shimmery. They're brilliant. Uh, So, just so I'm assuming you know a lot more about this than I do, but is that what they're going for as a company, or is that
0: just this specific
1: line? Because
0: I was totally blown. I was like, wait, those are Turkish symbols? Yeah, well, it's it, they're made in Turkey. I don't know the actual business deals, but there is an American kind of mastermind behind the whole okay. thing. So they're designed okay. for, for more of an American market, which Got explains it. the you know, slightly cleaner than what you think of a traditional Turkish which symbol. Which is good,
1: because how many of that kind of, you know dark trashy turkish things
0: we just don't need a lot more of those companies popping up no when- and they all just become soundalikes it's like oh there's that thing and there's that thing so these are not that which is interesting because they're kind of just especially the neo classic which was one of the series we reviewed they just sounded like really clean kind of bright but not not thin you know not harsh sounding symbols. they just sounded like really good symbols. um What did they send us? We got 14 inch hi hats, 18 inch crash, 20 inch ride, 10 inch splash, and a 17 inch china. So, just like a basic setup. We're going to drop in the audio first when we talk about it afterwards. So, this is the Neo Classic series.
1: I think uh, the closest thing that we're gonna get to is probably a, a, just a nice, clean set of piestes. If we we're trying to compare them to something, they just sound yeah. like symbols. Um, and which is great. Like I said, uh, when I read that we were reviewing a, a Turkish company, I was I had something in my head, and this was not
0: it. And it's it's great because we need to add
1: to things, not just copy things.
0: Yeah, yeah. The splash was nice and glassy, kind of like I, you want it to be, and not gongy. The, um, the high were crisp, but not not harsh I mean the ride the ride was was pretty washy but still had enough articulation for me to do most yeah. i mean I, I think barring like extreme genres where you need a dead dry or really bright sounding ride i think it would do well in just about any situation yeah i mean it,
1: it just sounds it sounds clean I, I think if you're gonna like I, you mentioned it here in the review but pop rock would be fine but I could see even Vinny playing these you know these kind of just Perfect, beautiful symbols. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think you're, you're, you probably hit the nail right on the head. They have a touch of that peisty kind of crystal clear attack, mm-hmm. but they're still kind of rich and warm, you know. And that's not just
1: so you, so the listeners know, because obviously I'm assuming most of you haven't heard of this company yet. That's not the entire company's line. That's just this very specific line. Yeah. The other line you reviewed was a little bit more trashy, had a little bit more character to it. Yeah. And, um, and that line is called the
0: A R A F Yeah. We're crushing that stuff today, buddy. <laughs> yeah, these were the ones that I felt like if you want something a little bit more interesting that's fun to play, these would be it. I mm-hmm. don't these weren't the ones that I would say take on every gig. Although they were more more versatile and all purpose than some of the other super dry things that are that are out there. Right. Um, they were definitely the more like satisfying, I thought like just playing drums by themselves, these would be the ones I would use. Playing with a band, it would be determined by, like, well, is the guitar eating up all that mid range stuff or what's happening? Um, and it was yeah, the same sizes 14 inch hats, 18 inch crash, 20 inch ride, 17 inch china. So it was a parallel setup.
1: Okay. Let's listen to these real quick. Definitely the Ride and the 18-inch Crash have a lot of character, but now we're into this world where I actually can't find a, a comparison. They don't sound yeah. crystal clean like Pisces, and they don't sound trashy like some minor Extra dries. They kind of have their own thing going. The hats, though, I'm in love with those. Yeah.
0: yeah those sound amazing. Yeah, they did a good job of not making them too dry, so they still have right. enough kind of power and sizzle. Um, and the Splash, again, really kind of glassy, but just a little bit richer than the neoclassic. Um, yeah.
1: And, you know, I mean, you can tell that 17-inch Chinas, that's a tough one. That's a small size when you're trying to get that gah sound. Yeah. But you, like, even in the demo on this, you stay on it for a while yeah. So I know that you were like, Oh, that's not that bad for a seventeen. I could I could actually live with that one. Um, I'm gonna groove on it for a while. So yeah. yeah, this
0: this one was nice, man. That reminded me of the classic Vinny setup when he had the small china on the mm-hmm. left over his hi hat. Like that's kind yep. of what these reminded me of. So yeah, I mean these again, these aren't extreme, but it kind of showcases like they can do the real kind of clean, all purpose, and here's something slightly more, you know, unique. It's it's mostly un lathe on top. Um is the bottom lathe? I don't remember. These are already gone, but uh Oh you know what? What? We're gonna what give we're gonna give away this eighteen inch crash. This eighteen inch araf crash. Get out of
1: town.
0: <laughs> yeah, Get out right of town. Here. You just made that up. So oh, yeah, this, never mind, he just grabbed it. I just grabbed it and the bottom half is lathe. The bell is raw. The top half got it. is lathe only, like the outer I don't know, is that two inches maybe? Yeah. Yeah, so the kind folks had decided they wanted us to give away one of these suckers. So we're going to give away the eighteen-inch Smyrna. (laughs) You got this, yeah, Smyrna. Smyrna, Arif Crash. uh, You know, after we get through the Ultimate Years giveaway, so fantastic. We'll we'll do that Um, in a couple weeks.
1: Now, real quick, it doesn't mention in the article, but do you know where these fall price-wise? Are they kind of in that professional
0: level price, are they more affordable or do we just not know yet? I didn't have prices at the time. Um, I'm not okay. going to guess. I'm going to assume they're not, they're not overpriced. I'm going to assume because it's, you know, it's a small okay. company. It's owned at least the American side of it's owned by drummers. I can't imagine they're going to go Rolls Royce on us. Right. Sure. Um, well, fantastic.
1: I mean, it's like I said, it's just cool to have something um, that's bringing a different sound to that. Now, You can take a look at Uh, SmyrnaSymbols.com. I think your best bet would probably be to check out the review on ModernDrummer.com or check out all the videos they have on YouTube just because uh, if you have a modern-day computer, you probably don't have Flash installed, and they have a Flash-based website. So you're not going to get a lot of love out of that thing other than it telling you to download Flash. So if you just go and do a Google search, you'll find tons of their video
0: demos On YouTube, and you'll be set. Right on. So yeah, that's that's Smyrna, Smyrna. We should have watched one of their videos and see if someone says it. (laughs) Nope,
1: nope, no. Don't don't pull me into that crap. I don't want to be a part of doing
0: things the right way. All right. So we will announce more about this. We're going to be giving away that beautiful 18-inch crash. It's the exact one that I played in the demo. So if you like that, then we'll give it away in a couple weeks. Very cool. All right. It's time for it's time for questions and answers. All right, I printed out a fresh batch, but we're going to have to go through just a couple old ones first. This one's from Adam. Um, so this is this came in February, and that's how late we are. Sorry, Adam. He recently got a George Way Tradition snare in Nyato, Nyato wood. Yeah, man. Which I'd never heard of. Um <laughs> He says, it's the best wood snare I own, but I was wondering how Naya Toe stacks up against standard tone woods like maple, birch, mahogany, and walnut. So I just did a little bit of research, and it has a—if you go by the wood hardness, the Janka scale, it is 1195 And if you compare that to other woods around it, it is a little bit harder than rose gum, which is a beautiful-sounding wood that Brady used— often is a little bit harder than english oak it is softer than heart pine it's softer than yellow birch it's softer than beech it's a little bit softer than ash so and it's harder than cherry and maple so it's you know it's harder than maple and but not quite as hard as like ash or red oak so i mean it's kind of right in that that kind of middle ground for me it'd be okay it's got some of the attack that i would want out of a harder wood and it's got the the warmth and the openness of a softer wood not a softer wood but a, a average hardness wood so i'm not surprised yeah. that you really like it because it seems like it's that perfect middle ground
1: glad i was able to chime in feel
0: comfortable <laughs> with my answer n-y-a-t-o-h i'd never heard of it i would love to hear your drums so send in some audio for an intro beat yeah all right, next one. Um, this is from Andrew. It says, if you were going to buy a new build vintage-style kit, uh, meaning maple, poplar, maple shells, what brand would you go with? I'm interested in the Gretsch Broadcaster, but I have to put build quality and longevity before brand.
1: Well, uh I would say this, I mean that's a tough one for me to answer because yeah. I not because I'm a Gretsch artist but because I don't own any other new vintage builds, but the one thing I would say is that the one thing I really dig about the Gretsch broadcaster when you're doing a vintage build is you can mix and match. So the, even the people at Gretsch told me, do a vintage build but get modern spurs and modern floor tom legs. Mm. Because we are going to build it to vintage specs. You don't want a 1930s drum set when right. it comes to bass drum spurs and floor tom legs. Trust us. You, people just don't play like that. And even then, they weren't good then. They you know, they no. were janky. So, yeah. so I have the rail mount on top for the rims. I have the muffle top and bottom on my toms and on my snare. I have the muffle strip with a tone knob on the bass drum. So it's full vintage build on all the drums. And then I have modern bass drum spurs and modern floor tom leg mounts, and I love that build. And it's it's tough, man. I honestly, I probably still play on the Broadcaster even more than the USA Custom. When I practice, I actually go into my practice room here, my private lesson room, and I'm on the Broadcaster a lot. So I still love that kit. Nice. What? Else, who else does a vintage build? I'm,
0: I'm assuming only Ludwig, right? Or would CNC do one? Yeah. Well, that's that's the CNC. Um club date is mahogany whatever the club date 2 that's maple poplar maple um you know I, what really i think if you'd have anyone who makes really good custom drums near you they can order this type of a shell from Keller or someone and they right. could do it you know a totally custom build um another thing to keep in mind Vintage three plies weren't always maple, poplar, maple. It depends on what they were. Sometimes they were maple, uh, uh maple, poplar, mahogany. Sometimes they were mahogany, mm-hmm. poplar, mahogany. Yeah. What's uh, the
1: Slingerland snare that we both have? Is that a Radio King snare? That, uh, that?
0: yeah. The that is, you know, it just depends. That's mahogany on yeah, the inside, yeah, right? Yeah. It depends. It depends on the. Okay. I mean, sometimes whatever they had available, if sometimes if, <laughs> it's a, if it's a pearl wrap, they would use uh, mahogany on both sides because the mahogany didn't look as good, so they just cover it up. Gotcha. But if it's a, you know, if it's a, a lacquer, they most of the time use maple because it looks better. <laughs> um, it. So I think that would be another thing to consider. RBH Drums does three-ply mahogany poplar mahogany, and those are, for my, to my ears, the most true to like, vintage spec, vintage style. Mm. Um, but, you know, C&Cs are great. Gretches are great. So I think it just comes down to what options you want. And if you want to really yeah. customize it, then just find someone who really makes really good custom drums near you and just get them to order the vintage shells from Keller. Done deal. Boom. There you go. All right. <clears throat> Last one. This is from Jay over in the U.K., says, could you help me with my bass drum? I have just started playing the slide technique and find it the best option for quick doubles, but I'm struggling with coordination rather than speed, especially when playing triplets with the partials on the bass drum. Any tips? Mm,
1: That slide technique is a dangerous thing, man. That's why I'm always careful to call mine a skip technique because I hit the bass drum pedal and then I move forward and hit it again. I don't like slide and hope for the best. Because that's when you get that little rough that we talk about with going into Jerry was a race car driver. Mm-hmm. And But you can't slow it down. So even if you're trying to go, dun, you get, dun, brrat, boom, brrat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, I want, dun, and you can't get it. And slow. So I think when I've watched my bass drum foot go from, let's say I'm doing right, right, kick, kick, from that tempo right there, da, da, ga, ga, to full-on double stroke roll between my hand and my foot, there's probably two to three different techniques that show up along the way. Yeah, I don't go, da, da, kick, skip. like I would never do that when I'm going, da, da, ga, ga. I don't need to. I just press it down twice. So what I had to do once, and it sounds like this is where you're at. Once I got the really fast one, the problem for me was 110. 90 bpm 75 bpm Mm -hmm. it's like oh i can go fast what i can't do is go Uh, i remember playing foo fighters songs back when the foo fighters first came out and you know uh dave would do a lot of and i would go and i was like "Uh oh we got a problem (laughs) we got a problem and so it's actually finding those in between tempos and figuring out what your technique's gonna be for that what do you think bud
0: yeah, I mean, I think we're both on the same lines. I don't I don't like adhering to any kind of technique, per se, right. especially with Agreed. the bass drum, because what happens if you play a bass drum pedal that has grip tape on it, and you can't slide on it, then...
1: Absolutely. Or what happens nice if stuff. you're on an 18-inch wide-open kick, and you're going to have to play off the head? Now your skip technique, you can't bury the beater on that second uh, one, yeah. so... Yeah,
0: so I think... And I don't think I... I'm, I'm sure at some point I was like, ah, oh, that must be the secret to get all that stuff happening, but... I think for me it's the leg goes down once but on the way down the toe snaps down to get the first note and then the 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 whole foot comes down for the second note. I don't think mm-hmm. I move much. I think it's just a straight up and down. I mean there has to be a little bit of forward movement just because you're you know you're bringing the the heel down onto the footboard. Right. But that's it for me. I feel like it's just you know maybe a half inch of movement but I I think it's pretty much just an up and down. So I think of more of a I don't know if that would be like a tap dancer. I don't know what it would be. I don't, I don't think about it yeah. too much. <laughs> I just don't I, I don't. I much. don't either. I mean, I, I practice
1: my non-creative exercises. And by the way, if you ever want, I have a full course. Actually, I have uh, like three courses on bass drum building your bass drum speed. And for me, I just went for the desired result. And I tried to achieve this speed and this clarity and this sound. And I tried to make sure that I could do it at all tempos. And then is that's when I eventually once I had it down, then I guess I looked down because other people would ask me about it and they'd say, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Hell, I don't know. I've never even looked down. I just I need the sound. I don't really care what you want to call it a heel toe, a heel up, a skip, a slide doesn't matter <laughs> to me." Um, so yeah, so I think that that's kind of important to to just work on the sound and try to get what you're going for, and then you can decide what technique it's called
0: yeah and I think yeah to address the coordination problem I think if you're if the technique is forcing your coordination and your balance off then it's not the right technique Agreed. I, I think there's Agreed. no other way unless we go back to the beginning and we talk about your sea height or something that's not <laughs> not quite right but never ends dude. never ends <laughs> never ends <laughs> all right all so right. you can send your questions in, the in, in to mdinfo at modern let me try that again you can send your questions process. in to mdinfo at modern drummer.com we, do we have, are all the way uh, back to episode 12 when I used to not be able to say that. Nice. <laughs> Killing it. We do have some audio questions we'll probably get in here next week. But you know, bring in your you know, ask any and all questions. Also, don't forget to enter the Ultimate Ears giveaway. You've got until next Thursday, the 28th, to enter. Awesome. Uh, all right. Pick of the week time. It you want to go indeed. first? You want me to go first? Go ahead, buddy. Okay. So I'm... I'm Called an audible again i had something else picked but i just realized i wanted to give a shout out to josh jones um so on instagram he is josh jones drums uh check out his page he is the principal percussionist of the calgary philharmonic um which if whatever you think about symphonic percussion you might think oh that's probably a real kind of brainy kind of approach the drums, but he's actually got really good flow. A lot of his feed is is on hand technique, just playing insanely accurate with the metronome, all these crazy combinations. But he delivers in a real kind of friendly, like normal person way. Mm. Awesome. Uh, he's got a great book um, that's about to come out. I think it's called Spatial Studies. Um, he's in the middle. He's wrapping up a 30-day challenge where he's playing a handful of like really difficult exercises every day. Um, so go check them out. It's Josh Jones drums on Instagram. He's also got a YouTube channel, amazing percussion. So a lot of his thing is, um, figuring out how to move your body to make everything as flow much flow and effortlessness as possible. So if he's on a marimba, he'll play an exercise and like take two steps to one side and two steps to the other side and kind mm-hmm. of address everything that could possibly happen with your body that would make you uncomfortable. And he kind of translates that to playing the drums as well. Like he's all about like making sure your shoulders aren't doing things they don't need to do and making sure your right. rebound strokes or you're not exerting too much tension. But at the same time, it's just really fun and friendly. So give him a – go check him out. Josh Jones Drums. Nice.
1: Awesome. Uh, Well, I know that a lot of us are trying to wean ourselves off of TV the best we can. But at the same time, the TV in the house being on just – it gives the house a little bit of life, a little more life than just music by itself. And I think right now is a great time for that because we have amazing YouTube channels that will give us full concerts and allow there to be something visual going on in our house. But really, we're just getting the audio. But it's an enhanced experience because when you hear something that you dig going on in the background, you can just turn your head from whatever you're cooking in the kitchen and see who's playing drums and what mm-hmm. are they playing. So my suggestion is a uh, YouTube channel that is just K-E-X-P. So all you have to do is go uh, Yeah, love that channel. And this is where you're going to find the what I would suggest you start with, and you can just go down the rabbit hole from there. But there's a full concert, uh, but it's it's very intimate, kind of like tiny desk music, similar to that, but very intimate stuff. And they've got one with Brian Blade and the Fellowship Band. It's a full 42-minute performance. It is mm-hmm. filmed incredibly well. It looks amazing. It sounds amazing. And, man, if you're just you know cooking some dinner, put this on, let it be on the background, and then every once in a while, whip your head around and just be like, Wow, Brian Blade is the man. And, uh, and then the great thing is it'll just go into, you know, just artist after artist that you've never heard of, but we should know about. And then uh, one thing you will find is when amazing bass players are featured and amazing guitarists are featured usually those amazing musicians choose really good drummers so yeah. then you'll go oh that's Antonio Sanchez even though you didn't search for Antonio Sanchez in the first place and oh that's Bill Stewart I remember back in the day the way to find a good drummer was to find anything that John Patitucci played bass on that's true is it yeah is that the guy John Patitucci yeah. that was playing with everybody at the time it was like oh that, <laughs> I, you just literally search his name and then you find out who the coolest drummers in the world were you know um, that's very true And so, uh, so same with this, just K E X P is the channel on YouTube. Fantastic stuff. Just press play, let it roll. If you want to study it and watch it, you know, with full attention, that's fine too. But I think it's great for those people that are trying to wean themselves off TV, have something a little more culturally rich in the household, but aren't quite ready to turn off the tube just yet. So what do you think of this Instagram
0: TV thing? Have you checked it out yet?
1: I haven't checked it out. I mean, I know what's going on, obviously. Uh, I don't know. I think I think you're poking the bear. Don't mess with YouTube's got the long form thing figured out. You've got the short term thing figured out or the short format. And that literally just came into its own really uh, on a stable platform. I'd say in the last year to two years, people accepted YouTube is going to be longer in-depth content and Instagram will be my quick fix. Start muddying the waters. Yeah. I don't
0: know. I, I mean, I messed. I saw that uh, actually, there's a it should have been my pick of the week as well. John Mayer did a Instagram TV. He like a, how, the making of his latest single. So it was like a uh-huh. ten a ten minute little mini documentary. Him and him okay. and a console just kind of talking about how he made the track. But what I don't what I don't understand is is it a different app? But it just interfaces with Instagram. Like I'm not sure what happens at this point because it's yeah, a different. I don't app. know. You've got to install a different application. But then it connects to your Instagram page.
1: Hmm. I don't
0: know. I'm confused by it. <laughs> we old. <saddled. laughs> Just like Snapchat. Can, is Snapchat gone yet? Can it be gone? I don't get. Yeah, it. Yeah, I think it, it kind <laughs> of is. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're all. It's all. Uh, Vine is sure. I've, I was listening to a, a tech program that talked about all the all the amazing things that launched after 2010 that are already gone. And I was like, oh yeah, Vine. Wait, yeah. that's not around. It's like, no, that thing's gone, gone. People were like, Vine out famous. of business. Yeah. Well, Instagram yeah. killed it when they started exactly doing video. Yep. So, uh, it's kind of crazy. All right, everybody have an amazing week. Go out there and practice your rear ends off. Uh, Mike and I introduced the idea about 140 episodes that practice never makes you worse. So go practice <laughs> anything just practice anything and uh you guys can always send in your stuff to md dot com. please rate the podcast that always helps us buddy i will see you next week i'll be i'll be neck deep in
0: a advanced drum camp by then that's right. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah we're going to be stacking up multiple episodes to prepare for you leaving the country as well. So we're going to oh, yeah. we're going to be really happy to we're see gonna each get to other, know each or... other real
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be stoked, like Mike's in China. I'm done. <laughs> All right, everybody, All have right. a
0: great week. So our closing beat is Stefano, or Stefano, Stefano. <laughs> Dude, We're the pronunciation kings. <laughs>